Good morning and welcome. It's that time once again, the Patriot Radio News Hour. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group. 20-some-odd Christmases in a row. We've been right here delivering wealth insurance to the masses with a little bit of attitude. Our toll-free number, 800-951-0592. The website, Ramon, even from his hospital bed. Got it done, got it updated. He actually, he's doing better. I know a lot of you were concerned. Uh, Ramon, who is our producer here in Phoenix, also does the website for us. Uh, He was... Well, let's just say in a manly fashion, had to go to the hospital for an infection, but he's on the mend and should be out today, but he was able to get the site up at allamericangold.com. And uh, yeah, the holidays are approaching. First of all, I've got to apologize. As most of you know, I'm really not that smart. Uh, I'm, I'm a really like a, an idiot, an idiot savant, you know, one of those. Uh, yesterday, we ran Silver Eagles yesterday, and I screwed it up. Because I think I said they were 390 a roll. They're 380 a roll. Uh, you're saving $10 a roll, uh, which puts them at $19 or, you know, like a 290 over spot. Uh, so I, and I believe I said, I think I said it, and I think I said it all show long that they were 390. If I did, I apologize. Uh, Wendy was smarter than me. She didn't tell me that I was an idiot until later. Uh, so anyway, U.S. Silver Eagles still have Silver Eagles rolls. I mean, this is, you know, if you buy a case-type pricing. So now you can buy individual rolls of silver, $380. I apologize for the mistake that I made on the air yesterday, but you guys are used to that. I make mistakes all the time. Uh, the difference between me and the Federal Reserve is I admit my mistakes. 800 Nine five one zero five nine two. It's holiday time. Uh, I believe tonight we have the cocoa hut in our neighborhood. Uh, we we do uh, the street that I live on. Uh, everybody decorates, puts the Christmas lights up, and we have a, a cocoa hut, and we collect food and donations for the food bank. And tonight is our night to distribute the cocoa. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know it's crazy. Uh, yesterday, the fire department was there yesterday with their fire truck, and all the kids always like that. So, But tonight is our night. Uh, and I had to get on my wife's case because, you know, I always, and people, you know, they listen, you know, I'm not the nicest person. Wendy's not that nice. Arlene and Sarah are by far, by far the nicest employees, if you will, here. And I had to get on my wife's case about she's being too nice to people. She was telling me all of the holiday, and I'll call it what it Christmas, but holiday politically great parties. You know, we're double and triple booked in New Year's Eve. And and I'm just like, what are you doing? Quit being so nice to these people and we won't we won't have this problem. Uh but I I I got to think you know, because I want all of you to enjoy your your Christmas or politically correct holiday parties. And, and I just started thinking about, you know, things that you could do to keep yourself safe. Uh, do not make physical contact. You know, maybe a self-high-five to yourself or an, uh, an air fist bump 
you know, because you don't want anything to be misconstrued. Keep the hugging and the body contact to a minimum. You know, don't don't uh, don't get any. You know, white elephant. If you're doing a white elephant, stay away from the uh, sexual and nature gifts. Don't do that, right? You don't you don't want to get yourself into to any trouble. Uh, don't do anything involving the Russians. If anybody asked about Russian, you don't know anything, you didn't hear anything, and as far as you know, you didn't meet with any, uh, because you don't want to get on Robert uh, Mueller's investigation, and and you don't want to end up like uh, all the people getting fired out there. So you, you just need to keep that stuff to a minimum. My suggestion to my wife was, let's just not go to any, and then you can't get into any trouble, uh, unfortunately. Uh, she basically told me you're going, and in order to you know what they say, uh, happy wife equals happy life. So I'll be I will be out there with a smile on my face, uh, counting the minutes until I can get out of these get-togethers. But you know what I did? I I shouldn't say that because you know what the last one I learned a ton of stuff. I learned. <laughs> see, my kids are 18 and 50. And they're still in high school. You know, my oldest is graduating this year. My youngest is still a freshman. So I haven't experienced the 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 new new economy, which is you pretty much if you have adult children, yeah, they're on your payroll. You know, and it started. I blame Obama because it started with Obama. It probably didn't. Probably, I like to blame people, so Obama just comes to mind. When they said, hey, your kids can stay on your insurance till they're 26. At the holiday parties that I, I've been at so far, I'm finding out that 26 might as well be 36. Because, uh, yeah, parents continue to pay. Uh, it Seemingly, it doesn't end. And we are, of our close friends, my wife and I, we're the, we're the youngest of our closest friends. And, and that, I don't know why that worked, but it just did. And, and so we, we are we are learning through them that yes, it doesn't end. Uh, so anyway, uh, curious to what I'll learn. Remember our holiday hours. So we are closed next Monday and next Tuesday, and then the following Monday in Tuesday. So today, this will be the last Tuesday show for several for a couple of Tuesdays. Uh, as the holidays roll upon us, 800-951-0592. Make sure you get those Silver Eagles. We'll be right back. The Dow is down today. You don't say that too often. Uh, Big move in the 10-year note. Uh, The 10-year note, uh, 245. Uh, Still kind of, right, not anywhere close to what normally it would be, but still uh, the the 10-year note has finally moved higher since the the rate hike. Remember, I think it was at 239. 
so well, we will have to wait and see how the whole bond market will shake out. Neil Kashkari was on CNBC. I was so I actually left a little later to work, and by later I think I left the house about five thirty. Uh, but he was on, and he is quickly turning into one of my favorites because he's he he speaks very plainly. Uh, I want to talk to you about what he had to say. Before I do, Toys R Us. The, the well, I guess I didn't even know they still had Toys R Us stores here in town. I looked it up. We actually have three in town. Uh, they're going to file. Uh, well, they filed Chapter Eleven in in September. Uh, now they're they're saying that in face of weak ho- holiday sales. Uh, Toys R Us says they're going to shut another 200 stores. Uh, they had 880, uh, but now uh, and they were and then in September they said they're going to shut 100 stores. Now they're saying uh, holiday sales are bad again. Uh, going to close a couple hundred stores more. Uh, so make sure if you if you haven't gotten to a Toys R Us, you may want to get to it because it may not be there anymore. Uh, but but nonetheless, that was probably the the bigger headline. So there's 200 more vacant uh, stores, but apparently that doesn't matter. Uh, but Neil Kashkari. So for those of you that don't know, he's been a pretty prominent player in the whole crisis. Remember, he was the guy that they put in charge of TARP. So he handled. Uh, the bailouts of, of General Motors and Chrysler and, and, of course, the banks and all of that stuff. And then after he got done with that job, uh, they named him the Minneapolis Federal Reserve President. So he's, he's one of the – and he was one of the people, one of the two people that dissented on the rate hike from last week. Uh, part of the reason why, you know, gold rallied – about what about forty dollars or so since that uh, the day before that meeting, and and he he actually did a pretty long interview talking about what the Fed's job is, what the Fed's job isn't, uh, the tax cuts, and then in inflation and interest rates. And I'm just going to share with you uh, what he had to say. One of the key things they talked about was the the stock market and the bubble, the equity bubble, uh, the bond market bubble, and doesn't wouldn't he want to raise rates uh, to to keep it from getting you know too far ahead of itself and getting uh, back to the like the dot com and all of that stuff? And he said it's not the Federal Reserve's job to protect investors from losses whether it be in the stock market or the bond market. And remember, it's not. Their job is they'll protect the company. They won't protect us. So just just keep that in mind. They don't really care that they've created the bond bubble. They don't care. They don't care about the stock market bubble. That's great, right? They, that's, that's not their problem because that when it, when it goes the other way, that just hurts the retail guy, and they don't care about the retail guy. During an appearance on Squawk Box, you know, billionaire, I call it the billionaire channel, Kashkari said central banks keep a tab on asset 
prices, okay, so that's your, your stock and bond market prices, and signs of financial instability. But he added, it's unwise to use monetary policy to try to constrain the stock market. Now, apparently, it's okay to use monetary policy <laughs> to save it, right? i.e. TARP and quantitative easing and bringing interest rates down to, to, to zero. That's okay. But definitely don't use it to make sure uh, that it doesn't get out of hand. I think we need to work very hard to protect to protect against an 08 type scenario. Now he's talking obviously about the collapse of the banks, and he made some uh, not point blank comments about these big institutions and talking uh, specifically talking about too big to fail specifically saying the banks have nowhere near the amount of capital that they should cuz he knows listen he knows that FDIC insurance doesn't it's not doesn't mean anything they don't have any money because these banks are so man I mean think about it uh JP Morgan Chase they got over a trillion dollars of deposits you know, the FDIC, what do they have? I don't know what they have, $20, 30000000000 billion? Right. Nowhere close. And he said, uh, talking about keeping a, protecting against an 08-type scenario, but if the market's correct, it's not the Federal Reserve's job to protect investors from losses. Now, again, you could argue that it is because you're the one that created the bubble to begin with, but the Federal Reserve, they won't say that. If we raise rates, not because of the job market, not because of inflation, which, by the way, he commented on both of those and really said, hey, the headline numbers that the billionaire channels throw out there, yet don't believe those. We'll get to that in a minute. But if we raise rates, not because of the job market, not because of inflation, but because we simply raise interest rates to try to constrain the stock stock market, that would be very costly. Right? Kind of saying, hey, you know, essentially we'd create a recession. You know, that's, that's his thinking. Kashkari, who was a dissenter in last week's Federal Reserve decision to raise the interest rate a quarter of a point, told CNBC he keeps voting against interest rate hikes because of low inflation and very troubling signals in the bond market. Right? Remember when we talked about the inversion of the, of the bond market? Right, and, and how he's one of the guys that says, hey, I think short-term rates are going to go above the long-term rates or the longer-term rates, and that means we're in trouble. And the bond market right now must be seeing something everybody else isn't. 
And one of the things, in, in, as he was talking about uh, raising rates, he said, you know, he asked a simple question, and it was one of those rhetorical, right? Why are we raising rates when inflation is low and falling? Of course, inflation, the way they track it, had fallen at the end of this year. And most recently, we are seeing warning signs from the bond market. Maybe the reason why the bond market's up today is because they don't want Neil to be right. We have raised interest rates. The front end of the curve has gone up, right? The the rate for a 90-day note, a 30-day note, a one-year note, a two-year note, a five-year treasury all went up, but yet the 10 years and the 30 years didn't. Matter of fact, up until this morning, the 10-year and 30-year notes were down. The front end of the curve has gone up. The long end of the curve has not. The flattening is sending a concerning signal. He did say that the tax bill could help the Fed make its inflation target, right? Hey, let's hope for the best. This is kind of, and you know what, I agree with it. it the, the, the vote in the House, I think, is at 1 o'clock today. They're going to pass it, at least. I'll be shocked if it doesn't happen. We're going to get this tax cut. Whether it was a good tax cut or a bad tax cut is irrelevant. We're get, like it or not, we're getting it. And, he, and, and as far as cash cargo goes, hey, it would be great if the tax cut could give us inflation. But he said that according to him, here's what he didn't like. He goes, I don't like the tax cut because it wasn't revenue neutral. In other words, it's going to add to the debt, and it's going to add to the debt significantly. And then he said, listen, I'm not a real believer that it's going to. There may be a short-term bump, but he doesn't think you know, down the road, the tax cut's going to make much of a difference, but let's hope that it does. It is possible that if the Federal Reserve continues to raise interest rates, we could end the expansion by our own actions. And then he got into the job market and said, 25 to 55 year olds. We have less 25 to 55 year old workers working right now than we did in 2008. We have less 25 to 55 year olds working right now than we did in 2008. And of course, 25 to 55, that's the prime years, right? That's the big years. And he's like, they're not there. And we say the unemployment rate's 4.1%, yet there's millions of people not in the workforce. And, it, it, I, and he actually, he said there was a million less 25 to 55-year-olds in the workforce. And you think about, you know, we probably had 30 million people since then. And to have a million less is 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 really hard to fathom. So he was calling into question the legitimacy of the of these numbers. 
in saying, hey, listen, here's where I'm focused. I'm focused on the bond market, and I'm focused on the inflation rate, and I'm focused in on the Federal Reserve may be lulled into a false sense of security and put the United States back into recession despite the tax cuts. And I thought that was very, very interesting because, you know, you got to remember, they have so much data, right? They, they know more about what's really going on than most people would believe. What do we get? We get sound bites. You know, every time, you know, Thursday or Friday, it's jobs, then they talk about how great it. Oh, my gosh, look how great it is. And yet we've actually hired less people this year than we did last year. And, of course, that last year we hired less people than the year before. Those are facts. And then it takes a guy like Neil Kashkari to come out and say, hey, listen, 25 to 55-year-old people, we're, not only are, do we not have enough of them working, we're, we're like millions of them. And I don't know where they are. But I do know this, as long as we're still like that many of them, wages are not going to rise. And he, and he asked, and he says, I don't understand why we just, let's just wait and see who's right. That was really his comment. Let's just wait. Let's wait six months and see if this inflation thing shows up. And, and he seemed awfully confident uh, that it wouldn't. But nonetheless, that was probably one of the better interviews from a Federal Reserve president that I've seen in a long time. And, of course, from one of the dissenters using actual logical common sense. I know. Go figure. Patriot Radio News Hour Halftime. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative perspective since 1983, continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. There is a great deal of discussion today about an alleged need for an independent judiciary and on how judges should decide the cases that come before them. Today is the anniversary of the ratification of our Bill of Rights, so it's a good day to reflect on a recent speech by Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Here is how he summed up the duty of a judge, and the rest of this broadcast is quoted from Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Quote, To assure the independence of federal judges, the framers provided us with life tenure. This independence, in turn, was to assure our neutrality and impartiality. Yet this independence can also insulate a judge from accountability for venturing beyond the proper role of a judge. What exactly is the proper role of a judge? In every endeavor, from economics to athletic games, there is some way to measure performance. For some commentators, it seems that if they like or prefer a particular policy or conduct, then it must be constitutional, while the policies they do not prefer or like are unconstitutional. Obviously, that approach cannot be right. That is no way to run a railroad or interpret the Constitution. Now, continuing these quotes with the words of Clarence Thomas, let me put it this way. There really are only two ways to interpret the Constitution. Try to discern as best we can what the framers intended or make it up. 
no matter how ingenious, imaginative, or artfully put, unless interpretive methodologies are tied to the original intent of the framers, they have no more basis in the Constitution than the latest football scores. To be sure, even the most conscientious effort to adhere to the original intent of the framers of our Constitution is flawed, as all methodologies and human institutions are. But at least, originalism has the advantage of being legitimate and impartial. End of quote from Justice Clarence Thomas. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Can activist judges be stopped, or will they continue to overturn laws with no regard for the Constitution or the will of the people? Connect with us at phyllisschlafly.com to hear alerts on rulings made by never-elected supremacist judges and to share your viewpoint. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
Again, like I said, it's just the, it's the devil's always in the details. After years of setbacks and delays, it's finally happening. And, you know, I think about this may have bigger ramifications for the future of the dollar than anything else. China may now be days away from launching, and we talked about this, I think, a couple, two, three weeks ago, from launching its yuan-backed price crude oil futures contracts to make its currency more international and challenge the dominance of the U.S. dollar. Uh, Many Chinese investors now anticipate the start of Wan Oil Futures trading on the Shanghai International Energy Exchange will happen just in time for Christmas. See, it's a different Christmas. For us, we're all talking about a tax cut for the holidays. The Chinese, what are they talking about? Hey, guess what? We're going to have the renminbi back crude oil futures contracts to allow for our currency to make its entrance onto the global stage. They also want to do it, and again, everything is very calculated. They're, they're targeting Christmas for a reason. They want to enter the market when the Western markets will either be closed or be what they call calmer than usual. In other words, if they're not closed, most people are on vacation. Right, kind of like I said, hey, listen, we're going to take off Christmas and the day after Christmas. And then we're going to be off New Year's Day and the day after New Year's Day. Right, but a lot of people are like, yeah, well, you know what, the Friday and the Thursday before, I'm going to be, you know, they, you know, that's how you do it in America. Now, that's how you, quote, unquote, get a vacation. And the Chinese are going to want to launch their oil futures contracts during that time. Although local investors can't wait to pour uh, the yuan the into another commodities contract, it is not clear how much freedom China will allow in the trade. Let, let, let's face it, China's going to allow just enough freedom to make sure it becomes the important player. And really, when you think about this, and this is how the world is changing Who's the number one consumer of oil? It used to be us. It's not us anymore. It's them. Chinese uh, intervention on the market or rigid capital controls could could make uh, you know international traders be a little leery. We'll have to see. In other words, here's the thing that that they're talking about. Shanghai's a little. Well, they're a little less supportive of games, right? Hey, listen, here's what you're not going to do. Right? You're not going to come in here and right before the close or right during the electronic trade dump billions of dollars to, to move the price of a barrel of oil a few bucks to fatten your, po- your pocket, right? That type of stuff. 
In July, the Shanghai International Energy Exchange completed a four-step trial in crude oil futures denominated in, in yuan and said that it would uh, carry uh, proprietary works for the listing of crude oil futures and that it would try to launch the contract by the end of the year. The launch of the contract is a wake-up call for traders and investors who haven't been paying attention to Chinese plans to create the so-called petrol-wan shift. (laughs) You know, like in baseball, when you got the, the pull hitter comes up, Right, he only pulls the ball and the manager moves the shortstop over and the second baseman over and, and, and puts everybody over on the one side of the field. That's what the Chinese are planning on doing. Right? It's the same thing. We want the rest of the world to pay attention. We are going to start buying all of our oil in one, or Renembi, whatever word you'd like to use. And we are going to take over the oil markets. And now, remember, if you go back through history, you know, in school you learned about Brenton Woods, right? And that was such a, a key piece of what led to this, what they called the petrodollar, right, the oil dollar, which when we came in and helped win World War II, one of the biggest agreements we made was the Bretton Woods Agreement, where we said, hey, listen, by the way, from now on, we're gonna con- all contracts will be done in dollars. We'll talk about that next. and jobs and all that. And the reality is this may be the biggest news of it all. See, because one of the things that most people don't understand is in order for us to to go into debt, right, we sell treasuries. And everyone gets that, right? We talk about how the 10-year note's a huge ripoff, right, paying even today, 2.45% for 10 years on $21 trillion worth of debt that never, you know, really anybody who rationally looks at the debt says, yeah, that's never going to get paid. And you usually don't lend money to things that aren't going to get paid back. (laughs) Remember 2008, you know what happened, right? Is everyone lost interest in pay. That's what, what the problem was. 
one of the reasons why, how can we get to, you know, $20.6 trillion? And the answer really started with Brenton Woods because they kind of agreed, not kind of, they did, they agreed that all of these contracts would be based in dollars. So what does that have to do with debt? And the answer really is simple. All of these foreign governments have to own dollars. And the reason why they have to own them is in order for them to buy a tanker of crude oil, they need to pay for it in dollars, right? So no matter what, there needs to be a conversion. And so how do most countries own it? Well, they own it by keeping reserves. Most of the reserves they keep, they keep in short, dated treasuries. Hey, listen, I'm not going to need that that money for 30 days, so I'll just put it into a 30-year note. Right. They were, you know, what a great deal, right? Hey, I'm going to get four or five percent, six percent. Of course, now you know they get two. But then, when I need it, right, I won't roll it over, and I'll buy my oil, or I'll buy my cotton, or I'll buy the corn, or whatever, the soybean, or whatever it may be. And by forcing all of these countries to own dollars. By default, right, you force them to carry your debt because it makes no sense for them to just hold it in the bank, right? <laughs> right? Because the bank's not giving you an answer. You buy the note, even the short-term treasury pays you something. So now the Chinese, by having this, and you think about part of the reason why they created the euro. Right, as they wanted something that, well, you know, we've got power now and we can self fund our debt too because we got to rival the American dollar. And of course, nobody really wants the euro. But the one, the Renembi, that's a different story. Calling it a wake up call for traders who haven't been paying attention to the so called Petro one. A shift in oil trade out of dollars and into one. Adam Levinson, managing partner, chief investment officer for a hedge fund, uh, uh, Graticule Asset Management Asia, said that although the petrol one is not expected to immediately subplant the petrodollar, and right, of course, it's going to be gradual. The world's top oil importing, importer launching a crude oil's future contract in its domestic currency is a sign that the Chinese want their yuan to play an increasingly important role in global trade. And started with the big one of them all, oil. 
And really, when you think about, hey, listen, China's got the same problem. Hey, wait a minute. We got a lot of debt, too. <laughs> right? I mean, we're building seven Detroits a year or whatever it is, right? We, we got debts, too. And let's see. Mm, uh, nobody imports more oil than us. Why are we using dollars when we can just use our own currency? Chinese scored success for their currency last year. And again, this is how it works. See, the IMF said that the Chinese renminbi, the yuan, could be a reserve currency. They put it in the basket, even though they didn't really meet the requirements. And by putting it in the basket, it allowed for the Chinese to do this. See, if it wasn't in the IMF basket, no one would let them do this. But, you know, again, these are the ramifications. They don't always uh, come to fruition at, at the onset of something. Right? And I told you then, this was going to have long-term, huge ramifications for the citizenry of the United States, because if people start backing away from having to buy, you know, billions and billions of dollars worth of treasuries, and they start putting it into renminbi or yuan, right, and say, yeah, we're just going to buy oil there because we like them better. And by liking them better, okay, we like their debt better than your debt. Right? Their, their debt pays us better, and and their economy's bigger than yours, and, and we'd rather it be over there. Neil Kashkari may not have to worry about raising rates. It'll just rise on its own. Patriot Radio News Hour, final segment coming up. For 380 bucks at 800-951-0592. Again, for an individual roll of silver, that's about the cheapest around. Uh, under $3 over spot at 800-951-0592. And I don't know, right? We don't know. We'll wait and see. I'll, I'll keep my eye on it. As soon as I see that if they've done it, I'll let it, you know about it. But, man, it sure does make sense. Right, they've already ran the test. They're, they've been waiting, and a lot of people have said they've been waiting for the, you know, because they want it to be calm, right? They, and that's all they are. See, we're flashy. We don't want. We want to do it right with with. Hey, everybody's watching. Let's do it. The Chinese are they're, they're the opposite, right? They're they're kind of the they they play dumb, but they're not dumb, right? Right, like like Trump, he wants to tweet it out and do all that. Right, we want everybody to know, look at me, look at us. The Chinese operate the other way. When nobody's looking, hey, and even better, this they probably love it. Right, the whole tax cut thing, what t- great, perfect. Nobody will care what we do. And then you just start thinking, you know, just add that to the list. 
thing, but that was the most significant because you think about if just the Chinese, let's just say they just did it themselves and nobody else did. They're the largest importer of oil in the world. And I don't even know what the number, I'll have to look it up. My guess is that it's, what, 12, 14, 18 million barrels a day? You know, and, and the oil over there is like $63 a pop. You know, you do the math, that's a lot of dollars. And then once they got it in oil, what do you think happened? I mean, really? Cotton, soybean, corn, ore, steel, right? All of it. Gold, silver. And they shift away from the United States. Because where are they going to shift from? I mean, yeah, okay. So, you know, because the basket only has it as U.S. dollars, euros, yen, pound sterling, renminbi, yuan, whatever you want to call it. That's the basket. I mean, and nobody really uses the pound sterling at, you know, very little. The Chinese want even less, or the Japanese yen even less. Nobody uses that either. The euro, yeah, a little bit. But still, the bulk of it is in U.S. dollars, and that's where the bulk of the money is going to come out of, which means less and less countries need to hold the debt. Which, when you think about it today, may not mean a lot to you. As the deficits start blowing out, it's going to mean a whole lot more. And that's where we come in. Because remember, really, we're, what are we protecting yourselves against? You know, we say it's wealth insurance. And the reason why it's wealth insurance, we're protecting our, ourselves against the the the... The Federal Reserve and, of course, our central government, right? The spending of the fiat Federal Reserve notes. And remember what the Philadelphia Fed President Harker had to say. Remember, what was it, last week? It only has value because we say it does. And the second we don't say it does anymore, it won't. 800-951-0592. U.S. Silver Eagles, 380 bucks, 800-951-0592. Everyone take care. Enjoy the Tuesday. Enjoy the weather. We'll be back tomorrow.